the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. KYCR Golden Valley, your exclusive Twin Cities home for the Ramsey Show. Live weekday afternoons from 1 to 4. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. More lawsuits being filed against Norfolk Southern following the toxic train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. The Ohio-based law firm of Johnson & Johnson announced it's filed a class action lawsuit against the railroad on behalf of all the residents within 30 miles of the derailment site. The lawsuit demands the creation of a fund for medical monitoring, cleaning procedures, and new testing. The train that derailed earlier this month exposed the community to highly toxic chemicals when the crew set the chemicals on fire in an effort to prevent runoff. Tasha Stevens reporting. Ukraine's leader is pledging to push for victory in 2023 as he and other Ukrainians mark the somber anniversary yesterday of the Russian invasion that upended their lives and Europe's security. President Vladimir Zelensky described February 24th of 2022 as Ukraine's longest day. This is SRN News. Hi, this is Matthew with the Kingdom Builders, where we always say we aren't salesmen, just great roofers. Have you ever wondered what we do during the wintertime? We sure aren't replacing shingles in sub-zero weather, that's for sure. We do a variety of things to keep our guys busy. But one that you may be interested in is ice dam removal. We've invested in top quality equipment that is the most effective way to remove ice dams from your roof. We use a high temperature, low pressure steamer that safely and accurately cuts ice dams off your roof. Because it's low pressure, it does not damage the roof while cutting the ice. We even offer same and next day service depending on our current workload. We also provide roof snow shoveling services. Getting the snow off your roof will prevent an ice dam from growing. So if you want to prevent or fix an ice dam, give us a call today, 612-900-9166. Or look us up at thekingdombuilders.com. That's thekingdombuilders.com. What's your favorite high school sports memory? A late inning rally? A game-winning shot? A photo finish? Maybe it's a pep rally or a pregame ritual. Maybe it's the euphoria of a late-night bus ride home after a hard-fought win. Maybe it's having pizza with teammates after the game. Now, imagine if it never happened at all. School sports need your help. With budgets getting tighter, it's more than the games that are on the line. It's all the traditions, the community pride, the culture of your hometown high school, plus all those memories that are on the line, too. What can you do? It's simple. Buy a ticket when you can. Go to a game. Take the whole family. Let's do everything we can to keep those cherished school sports memories alive. This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Activities Administrators Association. Portions of this program may have been pre-recorded. Turn all the lights on and kill the noise. The Biz 1440 presents the best two hours of economic news and commentary. It's the King Banyan Show. How about a fresca? Your source for penetrating economic insight, razor-sharp analysis, and unflinching universal thought. Everything you need to maintain clarity and stay ahead of the economic curve. Now, here's Professor King Banyan. He's a strange doctor. Strange doctor. We finally made it to campus. Welcome back. Second hour of the King Banyan Show here on the Biz 1440. Thank you for spending your Saturday with us and happy to bring back to the show. I, I don't know if he's your, your favorite, but he's one of my favorites. Uh, Isaac Orr from the Center of the American Experiment um, and and someone who whenever I have questions about energy issues, Isaac's a go to guy because I know he's plugged in on, on all the issues regarding energy. Hey, good morning, Isaac. How are you today? I'm great, King. Thanks for having me on the show. Great. Thank you for being on. Um, Isaac, I I emailed you, I think, on Sunday because my paper, when I have to say, I get the St. Cloud paper, but it's now being 
operated kind of remotely and they run a lot of articles from the Minnesota from MinPost from the Minnesota Post. And they ran above the fold on page one a story that I thought was interesting titled How Small City Utilities Are Grappling with Minnesota's New 100% Carbon-Free Standard, which I, I found this interesting because it's like, I guess I hadn't thought about the fact that they are municipal utilities and, and how they might be impacted by the by this. But what I'm going to do with you, Isaac, is first of all, back up and get you to talk about this new 100% carbon-free standard. What does this mean? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, this law, is it's now a law. It's not even a bill anymore. So um, Governor Wall signed into law a bill that would require 100% of Minnesota's electricity to come from carbon-free electricity sources by 2040. And carbon-free is just anything that doesn't emit carbon dioxide. And um, there are standards within the law as well. Um, so the utilities have to be 55% renewable by a certain year. I believe that's 2035. Uh, so there's there's essentially a requirement for wind and solar within this carbon-free electricity mandate. And a few things that are noteworthy about the mandate are um, it, this mandate does not exempt municipal utilities and cooperatives like the Next Generation Energy Act did in 2007. Uh, the bill does not lift Minnesota's ban on building new nuclear power plants, which we think is incredibly misguided. We think that if you want to reduce CO2 emissions and have a reliable grid, nuclear is kind of the only choice that you have at that point. So um, ultimately, uh, we feel that this, this bill is going to undermine the reliability and the affordability of the electric grid because it's really uh, forcing us to use um, energy sources like wind, solar, and battery storage that only cooperate if the or that only work if the weather is cooperating. And having grown up on a dairy farm in Wisconsin, I know that you know waiting for the weather to turn your way is one of the worst parts about being in in the agriculture industry. Right, right, and so this is. So let me let's let's take this let's take this apart even a little bit more. Okay, so. So we've decided that we want to use only uh, renewable energy. And we're, so we're saying basically you can't use fossil fuels to create energy after 2035, right? So I've got, I've got that part right. And when we said we were doing this back in 2007, we made exemptions for municipal utilities. Did we have any exemptions for anybody else or... Did you have to be like a an energy producer of a certain size, or or was it just the municipal utilities that were carved out? So it was the municipal utilities and the electric co-ops. So okay. and that's really important because electric cooperatives serve about 1.7 million Minnesota customers. So uh, it's a it's a huge part of the the state, frankly, that is served by these rural electric co-ops. And now all of these entities will have to be carbon free by 2040. So I now have a I now have a suspicion, and, and I, I admit I, I can this may be this may come off as conspiracy theory king, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with this because I always am suspect whenever I hear these kinds of of bills created. So when the first bill was created, it just hit our larger um, for profit utilities, you know, profit oriented utilities such as XL Energy. Um, and so they were under it and others weren't. What was the stance of the for-profit utilities on this this bill that you've termed the blackout bill or or or, or the, whatever whatever it is that the Walls administration is choosing to call it? Yeah. Uh, so these the investor-owned utilities were in favor of this legislation. And, you know, they tempered that with saying, hey, we're not sure we can do this by 2040. But Excel had already said that they wanted to be carbon free by 2050. And you know, the reason behind this is, uh, you know, Excel Energy isn't really a private company. They're a government approved monopoly utility. And uh, essentially, Excel has the exclusive right to sell electricity in its service territory. And because of that, uh, it wouldn't be fair to let Excel charge whatever it wants for power because it's a monopoly that's essentially sanctioned by the state of Minnesota. So the cost of electricity is actually governed by a formula 
and the rates are set by the government uh, via the Minnesota Public Utilities Commission. So Excel Energy is allowed to charge enough uh, for their electricity to provide the cost or basically make the cost back of providing that uh, service to everyone. It's called the cost of service formula. But they're also able to and, uh, you know, they also create or get a 10 percent profit off of uh, new infrastructure whenever they build it. So that's really why Excel Energy said that they're excited about this new challenge is uh, the the 100 percent carbon free mandate gives them a license to print money by building new infrastructure. And the Minnesota Public Utilities Commission is going to have to approve it because this is what the law says. So ultimately, it is a uh, it's a handout to the large monopoly utilities who will be able to increase their rates as a result of this legislation. I'm glad you said it so I didn't have to, Isaac, because I, I my my sense was this was sort of a I'm trying to think of the right way to put this. It strikes me, you know, there's part of me that thinks about thinks about the fact that the inside that insider large utilities have in some ways and I think where you're going is have pretty significant power to work back with work with their regulator to get regulations that favor them. But then as you identified Isaac, there's 1.7 million customers in Minnesota, who currently are not customers of those investor-owned utilities, but are rather in co-ops uh, or service, uh, and I assume, or I don't know where the municipals are, and I don't know how big that market is myself. Uh, do you, by the way? Uh, yeah, the MinPost article said it was about 400,000 customers by the municipal utilities, and those are all over the state. So, yeah. you know, we're looking at close to 2.1 million customers, which is, you know, a big chunk of the Minnesota um, electric market, electricity market that would, you know, potentially be more up for grabs than it had been recently as a result of this legislation. So let's say that, I mean, I'm doing very rough math, and so if someone's going to criticize what I say, this is King, not Isaac, saying this. About one-third of the customers in Minnesota are not serviced by the large investor-owned utilities, but but now we've passed a regulation which the the investor-owned utilities like, but may in fact cause a problem for the for the co-ops and for the municipals, right? So I've got that. So I've got that piece in place. Um, do the municipals and the co-ops have the same kind of guarantee of, of cost cost recovery that the investor-owned utilities do? Uh, no, they do not. And that's really where their concerns come from. Uh, they think that this is an unfair mandate uh, because they do not have the ability to just pass these costs on to consumers. And, um, you know, Electric co-ops are, they do a really good job of providing a service, but they're basically their structural costs to provide service to people is larger because there are fewer customers in uh, a square mile than, say, Excel Energy, where you may have, you know, a, a bunch of people living on a block in Excel service territory. So you get to spread the costs over more customers. Uh, the, the customers per line mile is generally how they, they measure transmission costs for a co-op are going to be a lot larger. So a lot of these areas where the co-ops serve, they're rural parts of the state, and they tend to have lower incomes out there. Um, and it's going to be harder for those electricity customers to stomach the increase in costs that will inevitably result from the passage of this legislation. All right. So we're, so, so we've set up this, this, this hypothesis, right? That, that and, and it's just a hypothesis. I, I, we, we're not proving anything, but but what we can see, and I think Isaac, I've liked it. You've been very careful in how you've been describing this for us. Um, what we see is there is uh, a there is an investor-owned utility that is able to uh, that is able to get recovery of their costs by law, right? By by law, they are yep. they will get their coverage. It is not given to the given to the the co-ops then we also have a um we also have a um uh a, you know uh, this change in the mandate of how you can provide electricity that we believe is going to cause an increase in the cost to these to these co-ops okay and to the municipals 
So I've got that part right. So the question, and I'm actually going to take a break here, Isaac. I'm setting this up for you to discuss when we come back, is what what happens next? Do we imagine that there's going to be a failure of those co-ops? And what, what does that mean for those folks who are served by co-ops down the road? That's the question we have to answer. We're going to do that right after this. We're talking with Isaac Orr from the Center of the American Experiment. He's on Twitter at the fracking guy, um, which gives you a little bit about his views of the world. But I also th- also think we're getting really good information about this blackout law that now exists in Minnesota. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the King Banyan Show on the Biz 1440. Salmon fishing in Alaska at an amusement park in Green Bay, or taking a stroll through Loring Park. We're where you are. Listen to The Biz 1440 at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. In 1981, Heritage Christian Academy began with 13 students. Today, they celebrate God's faithfulness with 550 students in grades pre-K through 12. God has shown his provision for HCA for 40 years. Let me introduce one of God's faithful stories. Hi. I'm Tanya Scott. I serve as president at Heritage Christian Academy. The first graduating class in 2001 paved the way for students to enter some of the finest colleges and universities in the country. Around the world, these alumni are sharing the gospel of Jesus and defending their faith on their campuses, in the marketplace, the military, the operating room, in their churches, in courtrooms, and in their homes. The impact of Heritage Christian Academy's four core values of truth, service, relationships, and excellence are evidenced in the lives of the men and women that have been trained to know, love, and serve Jesus. For more information about Heritage Christian Academy in Maple Grove, visit heritageweb.org. Dr. Gorka here, and I want to talk to you for a minute about the 100% drug-free relief factor. We all deal with aches and pains in our day-to-day lives, and I have had my fair share, including injuries like a detached quad muscle that, I can tell you, fell into the category of really bad pain. But I've been able to manage the pain by taking relief factor. It helps your own body to attack and fight off sources of inflammation, the source of most of our aches and pains, and I've loved it for years years now. Almost 70% of the more than half a million people who have tried Relief Factor end up ordering more. That's because it works for them the way it worked for me. Isn't it time for you to get out of pain? Your first step to becoming pain-free should be to order the three-week quick starter pack for the discounted price of only $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com, call 800-4-RELIEF to find out more about this offer. Feel the difference. Over 50,000 police officers are assaulted each year, leading to injuries and death. They know that if someone doesn't lawfully comply or resists, force may have to be used to obtain compliance. Nobody likes it, especially police. Help police by not escalating. Don't attack or try to disarm an officer. Don't argue, resist, or flee. After the encounter has been resolved is the time to address any complaints. Comply now. Complain later. Keep everybody safe. This message brought to you by the National Police Association. Learn more at nationalpolice.org. You could save up to 50% on water and salt costs with wet technology softeners from Commerce Water. And you'll notice softer skin and hair, too. Save $400 when you trade in your old salt hog now at Commerce Water. Go to Commerce.com. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, the Biz 1440. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. We're visiting with Isaac Gore from the Center of the American Experiment, and we're discussing a new standard for electricity production in Minnesota that requires it all to be by renewable sources, uh, a law that got passed in record time. Hey, Isaac, step outside of the energy world for just a second, because I know you pay attention to a lot of what's happening at the state capitol. I used to be a state legislator myself some years ago. One of the things that I'm seeing is the speed with which lots of legislation is being passed. Indeed, I saw in passing a uh, on uh, Axios Twin Cities a comment that more bills have been passed by the Senate in the first five weeks of the legislative session than the previous six sessions put together. 
What are you seeing down there? Because I'm sure you're you're tuned into what's happening at the Capitol. What are you seeing in terms of, of uh, how uh, legislation is being passed there? Yeah, it's like kids in a candy store, right? Uh, the the DFL has secured a majority in you know, both houses of the legislature and the governor's office, and they're not wasting that opportunity. So uh, we've seen a lot of bills ink or go through uh, only one committee, which is unusual. Uh, some of them have only had one hearing before they're passed onto the floor. Uh, that was the case with House File 7, which is the blackout bill. Uh, in the Senate, they, they went through the courtesy of having two hearings. Uh, they had, well, rather, they had two meetings on it. They had one where they heard testimony from the public, which I testified at, and then they had one where the senators deliberated the, the points and offered amendments, and then it went to the floor. So normally these these kind of bills with, you know, large implications for jobs in the economy would go through multiple committees, but um, that hasn't been the case with, uh, really any of the, the major priorities that uh, DFL representatives have had going into this legislative session. So, yeah, it's been a whirlwind. It's been one of the most uh, cynical partisan uh, partisan wheelings of political power since uh, I can remember, except for in 2011 when I worked in the Wisconsin state legislature and the shoe was on the other foot, right? So that's when they passed Act 10 and reformed collective bargaining. So it's, it's very reminiscent of uh, just a political party that has not had the, uh, the votes to get what they've wanted done for some time, just uh, really exploiting the situation that they're in. Yeah. And, and, and in any of those cases, uh, um, you, you, you usually want your bills to be heard and, and debated and amended and so forth. And, you know, if you were watching the uh, second hearing in the Senate, do you remember if any of the amendments that were offered besides that by the author himself or herself? I don't remember who was the chief author, but um, but uh, oftentimes the author makes an amendment or two and that just goes goes, you know, through lickety split. Was there any other amendments offered that ended up uh, attracting enough votes to amend the bill? None from the Republican side. I don't remember if any, uh, you know, friendly amendments from fellow uh, DFLers did, but I don't think so, okay. King. So, okay, these legislative, yeah, basically they're trying to avoid a conference committee, and that's why the the bills have had no amendments. And you know, the GOP folks even tried to get an amendment that said, "Hey, we're not going to enforce this bill if we have a blackout," and it was voted down on a partisan line. So it is a blackout bill. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I I think I think you know the post, and I I will have the uh, I'll have that link put up for you for folks on Twitter uh, who follow us. I'll give you the link to the piece he did that has the video of them basically saying, "No, we don't want an amendment that says if there's a blackout, we we get to back off this this standard." Okay, so. So let's go back to the bill for for our last few moments together, Isaac, and thank you for making time for us today. So we passed this bill. We've said there's going to be a standard put in place. We know that the the investor-owned utilities are for it because they already had a preference and were making investments toward toward that, that renewable energy standard from 2007 that investment was uh covered in terms of its cost and now we're going to impose it on municipalities and on co-ops and they don't get coverage for recovery of their costs they simply have to eat the cost of meeting the new standard fair to say you would agree i think that we could anticipate that some of the municipalities and some of the co-ops won't be able to uh, earn a profit from that, right? Then we'll perhaps even Correct. perhaps even go bust. Yeah. So um, the the options for a co-op are buy uh, renewable energy certificates, which are basically a climate indulgence, right? You uh, if a if a solar panel or a wind turbine produces a megawatt of electricity anywhere in the United States, they generate that electricity and they also generate a certificate. So if you run a coal plant, you can technically buy that certificate and then uh, that next megawatt hour of electricity that your coal plant uh, 
generates can be counted as renewable. So that's one way that the munis and co-ops can hope to meet this bill, but that's just an additional cost, right? Nothing actually right. changed in Minnesota. You just added an additional cost burden onto people who can't afford it. Um, so, yeah, there is a chance that uh, the the generation that some of these municipalities have, like Hibbing with their wood-fired plant, will no longer qualify for this carbon-free electricity standard, and they will be forced to purchase their electricity from you know either in a bilateral contract with Excel or Minnesota Power or from the regional electric grid, the Midcontinent Independent Systems Operator. Right. So let me go to that specific point, right? Hibbing actually produces its electricity, right, by using biomass, basically by burning wood, as I, as I recall. Last I knew, wood's a renewable, a renewable resource because I keep planting trees in my backyard only to have the wind knock them down. Um, and, and, and so <laughs> I hope it's renewable. Um, yet who gets to decide if that's a renewable resource? Because apparently that's in question. Yeah, so the legislature intentionally left this provision vague. So the Minnesota Public Utilities Commission would be the ultimate arbiter of is wood carbon free or not? Because burning wood emits CO2. So like would that be good enough for this legislation? And you know, that's that's the other thing about the the process or how the sausage got made king that is really kind of disheartening for me. Whenever a you know, conservative senator or a representative asked a you know yes or no question about this legislation, uh, it'd be like Majority Leader Long or someone else would just say, "Well, that's really going to be a decision for the Public Utilities Commission." So there's zero accountability in this bill to you know for the authors to say, "Yes, we understand that this is going to be challenging, but you know we think it's worth it." Right? They just say, "Oh, well, no, that won't be a problem because." We, we trust that the Minnesota Public Utilities Commission will make the right call, and I do not have that same level of confidence in that, in that body. Indeed, at the end of your piece that I'm going to pick, uh, uh, I've, I've posted here at uh, using the uh, hashtag pound KBRS on Twitter, um, uh, you write, I will detail why the PUC will almost certainly fail to take the right steps to preserve the reliability of the electric grid. Okay, I haven't seen a post since that. It was posted on February 8th. Can we get a hint about what might be in your next post? Yeah, yeah, that's a great reminder that I need to put that post out there. I've been busy <laughs> writing an article for our magazine. Um, sure. So essentially, uh, the PUC is a political entity. They're all appointed or reappointed by Governor Walz, and this is a big initiative that he wants to push forward. So there's going to be a tremendous amount of political pressure on the PUC to not allow entities to opt out, right? Because um, technically there are supposed off-ramps for affordability and reliability, but those same kinds of off-ramps already exist in California's legislation, for example. But we routinely see that you know the California independent systems operator or the grid operator there will go to the Public Service Commission there and say, hey, we need more reliable power plants like natural gas or nuclear in order to meet our demand. But this political creature, which is the utilities commission out there, routinely ignores this and, you know, says, no, we need to shut down our gas plants and we'll just import power from abroad. And then you get a regional heat wave. Those states that they're depending on to sell them excess power don't have any excess power. And, you know, eventually you run out of other people's electricity. And that's that's essentially what the Minnesota Public Utilities Commission is already approving in resource plans for Excel Energy when they're allowing them to shut down their coal plants prematurely. So, you know, the, the PUC has already demonstrated that they don't really take resource adequacy or reliability more seriously than they care about renewables. And that's a problem. Yeah, and, and so the PUC, and, and this is probably my last question, my last question for you, uh, Isaac, and, and, and I want to thank you for time today in case I need to jump out quick here. But, but the PUC, is a, those positions are appointed by the governor, um, and then remind me, are they, are they, are they, are they con subject to confirmation by the Senate? Yes, 
they are. But now that the DFL has full control of the Senate, then there's yeah. really not much scrutiny of the. So there the won't be much scrutiny there. Well, well, hey, Isaac, elections have consequences, sir. Uh, right? That's that's a, that's a problem. Uh, but uh, there right. is the potential, at least, though, for somebody down the road to step in, given it's a one seat majority. Right. And I understand that they're they've been elected to four year terms. But there is such a thing called the special election. And one special election could flip, you know, in the right seat, could actually flip control. Um, and so I think it's interesting that, that you might, in fact, have a, a chance down the road to reverse such things. Uh, uh, that's about as political as I ever get with, with, on this show. But I, I just want to say this is, this is a big deal, right, for them. I'm just, do, do you sense there's any hesitation, particularly for those senators who might be of the majority party but representing areas where there are municipal or cooperative electricity provision do you sense any discomfort from them that might be able to be expressed if a puc gets out of hand i don't know i don't think so i think that they uh this has been a a big priority for a lot of progressive policymakers for a while and you know they ultimately see the the cost as worth the the benefits to the environment, even though we figured out that this legislation would only prevent 0.0009 degrees Celsius by 2100, which is too small to measure. So uh, ultimately, cost-benefit analysis is not being used to make these decisions, which is bad because the costs are going to far exceed the benefits. Yeah, and 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 my big my my biggest concern is the disruption that that uh, people who currently do not receive their electricity from an investor-owned utility will happen when their utility basically has to, you know. Well, I mean, they won't just stop providing electricity. What will happen is they'll get they'll make an arrangement, get bought out by probably one of the investor-owned utilities, which, which frankly, I think is the purpose of the whole thing. Hey, but that's, that's again, that's me, not you, uh, Isaac, but uh, I want to thank you for spending time with us. Isaac Gore from the Center of the American Experiment. You can find him on Twitter, at the fracking guy. If you're using our hashtag, pound KBRS, you can see his last article about, about now the blackout law. Isaac, thank you for spending time with us today. Thank you for having me. Great. We'll be right back after these messages. This is the King Banging Show on The Biz 1440. Well, I was born on a Sunday. A Thursday I had me a job. Are you or a loved one struggling with drug or alcohol use? Maybe you're not sure if it's addiction or if treatment's needed. If so, you're not alone. According to the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, 19.3 million people aged 18 or older had a substance use disorder in the past year. Hazelden Betty Ford offers a free confidential assessment. Inpatient, outpatient, and virtual options are available. It's time to take back your life. Hazelden Betty Ford can help. This message sponsored by Hazelden Betty Ford, the Minnesota Broadcasters Association, and this station. Did you know you were kicking in your mommy's tummy before you were born? We were? Yep, I just learned at school that babies move and kick before they're even born. No No wonder we're so good at soccer. That's right, kids. A pre-born baby is moving about and even kicking just 14 weeks from conception. Hello, my name is Marianne Koharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of information and alternatives to abortion, or you'd like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, please call 1-800-366-7773, 1-800-366-7773, or visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Can your IRA stand up to the next financial crisis that our top economists are saying is at our doorsteps? By allocating a percentage of your IRA into physical gold and silver with a tax-free rollover, you can diversify and safeguard your holdings from turbulent markets and economic downturns by putting your IRA back on the gold standard. Find out how to safeguard your assets with a tax-free rollover with a Genesis Gold IRA. 
the only IRA that can hold physical precious metals. Call now for your free gold and silver report. Protect your IRA today with one simple phone call and learn how to qualify for up to $10,000 in free silver. Call Genesis Gold Group, empowering faith-driven stewardship. 800-504-1123. America is giving away its inventions and technology to China. The Chinese Communist Party intends to surpass us and to be the world leader in innovative technology. This shocking new movie, Innovation Race, exposes the potential Chinese takeover of 5G and the Internet, threatening America's economic and military security. Dominating technology means you dominate the world itself. Watch the movie, Innovation Race, now on demand or DVD at SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back, King Bangin Show, the Biz 1440. Thank you to Isaac Orr from the Center of the America Experiment for his comments today, um, talking about this. And this is just something I, I, you might wonder, why did I pay attention to this particular story? This is not the normal thing that, that the King Bangin Show does. I want to explain a broader phenomenon that I, that I've observed that this is just emblematic of. Um, and... It falls under the category, I wasn't going to use the term, it's insiders and outsiders where there is this, this there is a, something that has been talked about in economics for a long time called regulatory capture. And it's where the regulators are captured by those that they regulate. You'll notice that many of the people I talk about, we spend a lot of time talking about a particular regulator called the Federal Reserve. We think of them as policymakers, but they're also regulators. They regulate the behavior of banks in the U.S. economic system. Unsurprisingly, bankers talk to Federal Reserve officials a lot and get involved in how these things are and how the Federal Reserve regulates. It is, it is some of the things that I'm paying attention to, the decision by the, by the White House forthcoming, now that they've asked former uh, Federal Reserve Vice Chair uh, Lael Brainerd to come, to come into the White House to be the chair of the National Economic Council, they have a vice chair position to put in place, and they need someone that knows something about bank regulation. Right, which Brainerd knows. Right, I think they have the right person in place in Michelle Bowman, but because she was appointed by by, by that president who must not be named, um, it's possible that they're going to go outside and find something else. The bankers are talking to the to the White House right now about who gets that particular job. In this story that Isaac just told us, the insiders. The insiders are, in fact, all of the people who are, are, are regulated by the PUC. And, and, and think to this, think to this, right? Two-thirds of the market is two folks, right? Is two businesses, Excel and Minnesota Power. They have not just one lobbyist, but I don't know what the size of their two groups are, but I'll guess... A hundred or so, I'll guess, dozens of lobbyists, not a hundred probably, but dozens of lobbyists who focus on the PUC, build relationships with the commissioners, talk to the legislative committees and and the committee staff to influence what happens. Now, suppose you're Hibbing or Princeton or one of these other cities that has the municipal power generation. You're a much smaller company than Excel. You're a much smaller company than Minnesota Power. You're not even a for-profit. You're run by a municipality. You're run by, you're run by a cooperative board. And some of these co-ops are larger, but they don't have the resources. How effective are they in countervailing the, the pressure 
that's put on put on by by folks. I, I will point out, and I and I only point this up because I know the person, I know the person who's quoted in this story. Um, in, in the Minnesota Post story, a MinPost story, Wall said told reporters that the legislature should quote unquote bring folks along when asked if there should be consensus with the smaller utilities. Quote, we'll get them on board. But then the director of government relations for the Minnesota Municipal Utilities Association, someone I know from my days in the legislature, Kent Sulem. Um, Sulem says some of the initial studies show 80% is a doable figure. After that, things get very murky and very expensive. So he said, look, if you move us to an 80% standard, we can do that. But, but he says, hey, look, the cost is, he said that in committee, the cost is higher for us, is, is for us, he told MinPost. You don't have shareholders to pass it along to. Instead, you have, if you're a municipality, all you really have is taxpayers. You have to put it onto the property tax or maybe on a sales tax or some other, you tax some other base. But most likely, you're going to end up taxing property owners to cover the cost of meeting this new renewable standard. So, and he says, well, we can get to 80, but 100 would be, would be pretty dang expensive. Um, they, uh, and, and, and again, you're not changing the amount of power being produced, and you're not necessarily even changing how the power is produced. What this is is a transfer from those who... from from those who are from the municipalities and the co-ops to those who produce energy using renewable standards that are higher. It guarantees them a market. And so the term I use instead, and I should have put this, maybe I'll put, maybe I'll call it this in the, uh, in, in the, in the title of the show. I'm a little, I'm a little nervous about this because it may sound, it may sound slightly insulting to a religious group. But there was an article written many years ago, back when I was just coming out of graduate school, by an economist at Wash, University of Washington named Bruce Yandel, Y-A-N-D-L-E. And if you ever get a chance to hear Bruce Yandel, you should. He's brilliant. He writes an article that, that refers to this problem as the bootleggers and Baptist problem. Okay? During Prohibition, Prohibition was put on by the, by the, by the temperance union largely consisting of, of religious groups like Baptists who said, America needs to stop drinking. And so we should, we should put a ban on, on alcohol sales. Yay, the Baptists say, this is supporting our moral values. But who joins them? The people who are willing and able to deliver alcohol illegally, the bootleggers. Okay, so in this story, in this story, this feels to me, and I didn't want to say this with Isaac because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to get, I didn't, again, I didn't want to get involved in get having him refer to, refer to uh, uh, the investor-owned utilities as bootleggers, but that's in fact what I'm saying. They're cheering it on because they've made all the inve- they've made a bunch of investments in renewable energy. Why? Because as pointed out on our Twitter feed using the hashtag pound KBRS, Lynn points out, uh, Lynn points out that uh, in the power industry, building infrastructure is the moneymaker. Why? Because by law in Minnesota, if I build a renewable energy source, the PUC has to grant me, as an investor-owned utility, it has to grant me cost recovery. It has to grant me cost recovery. But it doesn't guarantee that cost recovery to a municipal. It doesn't guarantee that, that cost recovery to a co-op. So, so who's going to end up being the dominant producer of, a, of that electricity? It'll be the investor-owned utilities, and the, and those investor-owned utilities, therefore, are the bootleggers in this story, and those people who want clean electricity and and say you know and 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 all of that are are acting like the Baptists, right? 
Now, we know what happened as a result. The bootleggers ran rampant. We had story after story in the 1920s of the impact of prohibition and got so bad that we ended up repealing prohibition. The only time that a constitutional amendment has been repealed was the constitutional amendment for prohibition. Will we get to a point where we'll actually change this? And this is where I tell people, have hope because the political process corrects excesses. In my mind, democratic systems tend to be stable. And then if the PUC starts having to act and react and overact regarding and overreacts to the detriment of the municipals, to the detriment of the places... Again, it's a one-seat majority in the Senate, which is the, which is the only body that does confirmation of, of the commissioners of the PUC. Only one of those seats has to change and might change in the same sort of way that we've seen changes in reaction to other overreaches of, of government regulation. I'll tweet, you an ex- I'll tweet you an article that was written in Forbes some years back that uses the Yandel example and applies it to the power and to the renewable energy industry. But this is clearly an example of insiders and outsiders. And it is, stri- it is passing strange even to people at, at places like MinPost to all of a sudden find out that municipal governments are the outsiders and that the insiders are people who not only are making money, but people who are guaranteed to make money. We'll be back right after this here, listening to The King Banyan Show on The Biz 1440 KYCR Golden Valley. Does inflation have you worried? Maybe you have an appliance or two in life support or dated ones that need to be renewed before the holidays? Don't worry. Appliance Renew has your back. Hey, it's Michael, owner of Appliance Renew. We have a large inventory of brand new name brand scratch and ding appliances at 20 to 50% off. Appliance Renew is your peace of mind solution in these crazy economic times. We have over 250 brand new scratch and ding appliances from LG, Whirlpool, GE, Maytag, Frigidaire, and more. Just waiting for you in our Farmington showroom. All appliances are brand new with a little ding or two. We thoroughly inspect and test everything, and we stand behind our appliances with a complete one-year warranty. Whether you're looking for washers, dryers, stoves, refrigerators, dishwashers, ovens, or more, you'll find it at Appliance Renew in downtown Farmington. Stop by today or search for Appliance Renew online. Saving money is worth the drive when a little ding doesn't mean a thing at Appliance Renew. I always thought that tires would be more expensive at a dealership, but Invergrove Hyundai proved me wrong. Hi, it's Mike from Rosemont. I knew I needed a new set of tires before winter. My go-to is usually my warehouse club because, hey, they're a warehouse club, right? They have to have the best deal. I bought two cars at Invergrove Hyundai, and they're great to work with, so I thought I'd just see what they had to offer. I told Tyler what I usually spend and asked if he had a good set of tires in that price range. He gave me a great quote, and it was a few bucks under my limit on a set of four tires. Plus, he got me in and out in an hour. If you need tires, skip the specialty shop and the warehouse clubs and give Invergrove Hyundai a call. Let them know what you need, and they'll take care of you like they did for me. Invergrove Hyundai's service technicians are ready for you no matter what kind of vehicle you drive. Open 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. weekdays. Call them today or schedule your appointment at InvergroveHyundai.com. That's InvergroveHyundai.com. If you could build the world's greatest radio station, where would you start? We'd begin by creating a live station that's able to provide breaking news updates. Then we'd install some of today's top political voices behind the mic. Finally, we'd craft a convenient way to listen with a specialized mobile app. No, it's not a work in progress. It's on the air now. AM 1280, The Patriot. Intelligent radio. Online at am1280thepatriot.com. The Ramsey Show. I don't have credit card debt. I don't have student loan debt. I don't have car payments. I'm under control and I got a pile of money. You know what would happen? The economy would collapse. No, it wouldn't. The economy would boom. 
weekdays from 1 to 4 p.m. live on the Biz 1440. Soaking up the sun in Fiji, walking through the Sculpture Garden in Minneapolis, or standing in awe at the Grand Canyon. We're where you are. Listen to the Biz 1440 at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. Welcome back, King Bang and Show, the Biz 1440. Thank you so much for listening today. Um, it's fun to do something a little different uh, than uh, than uh, what's happening. I, but to get back to this, and because you know the theme of this show for the last few years, and particularly since uh, since the massive response of fiscal and monetary policy to the uh, COVID shock um, and the COVID recession. Um, has just, you know, really consumed me over the last, well, now I guess we're coming on three years. And um, and I was surprised to read an article, uh, and I knew they were doing this, but I hadn't read the piece until last night. Um, and I have to be a little careful because I read this article after 10 p.m., so my memory of things doesn't work so well um, after 10 o'clock. Um, I used to be a night owl. Doggone it! I used to be able to. I used to be able to read things and write after midnight. I just don't have that anymore. Uh, but um, the article was an art. It was this piece that was at the Booth School. That was be, the Booth School, which is the business school at the University of Chicago. And it was about the about the Fed and and about the Fed and titled "Managing Disinflations." And the article was was written by a group of economists, including a former Fed governor, Rick Mishkin, uh, along with Steve Cachetti, who's written one of the premier money and banking textbooks, Mike Ferroli from J.P. Morgan Chase, who is um, who's their chief economist, um, uh, Peter Hooper at, uh, at, at Deutsche Bank. Uh, and Kermit Schoenholz, um, who is at Columbia, right? And so this is basically one of these multi-authored papers that is that is supposed to be, here's what we studied. What did they do? They come out with an article that says, this time is different. And indeed, um, the newest, one of the newest governors at the Federal Reserve, Philip Jefferson, um, Made comments on the paper, uh, and 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 says and, and takes us through all of the calculations. It says this time is different. He says, and "I just yeah." Here's this one sentence: History is useful, but it only can tell us so much, particularly in situations without historical precedent. This current situation is different from past episodes and then ticks through a bunch of reasons why he thinks that's true. I agree. It's been hard to predict this. But I want you to listen to Larry Summers last night on Bloomberg on on their television show, Wall Street Week, um, who was talking through how, you know, saying maybe this time really isn't so different. There are things here that are fairly predictable. Let's play this. Cut number six. Look, I think we've got an extremely difficult economy to read. On the one hand, we got a set of very, very strong statistics. I think the data are coming in in a way that confirms uh, the view that I have had for a long time, that inflation does not get back to 2% without a meaningful uh, slowdown in economic activity. And I want to contrast that with with what Muhammad Al Arian had said on Bloomberg just the, just in the morning yesterday. So about I don't know, probably probably within six to eight hours of when Summers was interviewed. Let's go back and play cut number three. So we see evidence that the economy is slowing, and that that's a real issue because you don't want the Fed to be forced to hike a lot into a slowing economy. Um, so we are seeing evidence that the economy is slowing, but the labor market remains really strong. So it is a very difficult economy to read. I just want to stress, this is a very difficult economy to read. I could sit right here and give you three scenarios for growth, three scenarios for inflation, and three scenarios for monetary policy. 
Now think of how many interactions you get in this three plus three. This is a really tough environment both to predict and to invest. Well, it is, but what Summers is saying is, is you still have some indicators out there that tell you that things are still running a little bit hot. Let's continue back to Summers. Cut number seven. The other big uncertainty that we have is that while so-called coincident indicators, things that move right along with the economy, look very strong, there are a variety of leading indicators that are more troubling. Inventories look to be building up relative to sales. Firms are reporting concerns about their order books. It looks like uh, the business sector has a lot of people on hand for the level of output they're producing. And consumer savings are being uh, depleted with a low uh, savings rate. And my, what I have constantly argued is that even though this time does have particular features that are different than in the past, everything has, every recessionary period has a particular story to tell, okay? That's how we write economic histories, okay? I'm, I'm in the process of writing one. Those economic histories, yes, there's a particular story about each one. That doesn't mean that you can't learn something from the patterns of the past, um, let me finish up with uh, Summers. Cut number eight. It can stop inflation, but uh, whether it can stop inflation with a soft landing without impacts on economic activity, that's been very much uh, in doubt. And it is. It's still in doubt. I mean, I mean so w- what should you do, in it, right? We have these folks in the industry who work with with to bring a paper to a conference saying, well, you couldn't have predicted it. This time is different. And you get a Fed governor who's like, yep, this is really peculiar. You couldn't have figured this out and so forth. Okay, that's true. But there's enough information out there, enough times that have happened in the past that you actually can make some statement based on the data that we've talked about that says it's inter- that 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 we're still running too hot and the people who are telling you hey this time is different happen to be be the insiders they're the bootleggers in this story telling the fed please don't regulate please don't raise rates too far too fast okay and that's the pressure that's running against what what they're trying to do okay so We'll talk a little bit about this next week, but we're still coming up on jobs reports and all that. There's still one more jobs report, still one more inflation report, all coming before the next Fed meeting. Lots of stuff to study. Thanks once more to Isaac Orr from the Senate American Experiment. Spencer, thank you for your work down there. And we'll talk to you next week here on the King Banyan Show on The Biz 1440. Wesley Financial Group is not a law firm. This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshare. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO and founder of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare. And in the process, started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. The crazy thing is, this never ends. Even when you die, your family's now going to be stuck with this burden. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. If we take you as a client, I guarantee we'll cancel your timeshare or you'll pay nothing. Call for your free information kit. 800-626-5252. That's 800-626-5252. 800-626-5252. Have you filed for disability benefits but were denied by the Social Security Administration? Or do you need to apply and are overwhelmed with paperwork? Are you between the ages of 50 and 63 and can no longer work because of an illness or injury? Thousands of hardworking Americans are in your situation. They file for disability benefits and are unnecessarily denied their much-needed benefit check. Call now for a no-obligation, free evaluation. We can help you nearly double your chances of approval and get your benefit checks faster. 
We understand the physical, emotional, and financial impact. We'll share our insider expertise and help you get your disability claim filed and paid immediately. There is a time limit to apply, so call right now. Operators are standing by to help you. 800-296-1553. 800-296-1553. That's 800-296-1553. Over 50,000 police officers are assaulted on the job each year, leading to injuries and death. This is the reality they deal with when making contact with the public. Another reality is that if someone doesn't comply with a lawful order or uses force against them, police may have have to use sufficient force in response to obtain compliance. Use of force is always ugly. Nobody likes it, especially police, and nobody knows how it will turn out. Spread the word. For de-escalation to work, both parties must de-escalate, and de-escalation isn't necessary if there is no escalation. Help police by not escalating. Don't attack or try to disarm an officer, whether it's getting asked a question, getting a citation, or getting arrested. Don't argue, don't resist, don't flee. After the encounter has been resolved is the time to address any complaints. Comply now, complain later. Keep everybody safe. This message brought to you by the National Police Association. To learn more about how to help law enforcement accomplish its goals, visit National Police. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.